Evening everybody, it's that time of the week when your favourite ne'er-do-wells gather to talk about Bolton Wanderers and anything else that we think of in between. It's Love Pod episode 45. 45, lads, bloody hell, fire. Yeah, I've had uh, probably one of the longest relationships in my life I've ever had this one. Absolutely sensational. But welcome everyone, you're all extremely, extremely welcome in our living rooms tonight. Metaphorically speaking, of course. I'm Chris, you may remember me, I used to be on the Love Pod some time ago. Uh, been off for a few weeks, uh, been in prison, um, but I'm back again now with the ill behaviour. I'm joined by Tom, I'm joined by Dan, and I'm joined by Liam. How are you doing, fellas? Liam, you alright? Yeah, good, thanks. Good to be back on. Welcome back, Chris, with Michigan. Definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah, come on. I know I told you to say that, but uh, uh, I understand your, your personal life is taking a bit of an upturn at the moment, uh, Liam. A promotion at work. It has been thoroughly deserved. I can't tell you how much Absolutely. it has been deserved. It's... Uh, Absolutely, mate. Nobody flips. Nobody flips those burgers quite like you, Tom. <laughs> welcome, welcome back to the podcast, episode forty-five. Uh, what are your memories of the, the previous forty-four? Are you want to just sum them up in one word? Noise. Noise. Very, very <laughs> good. Teeth. Very, very good. Speaking of noise, Daniel Murphy's with us. Daniel, right. student, pissed. previously professional member of the podcast, now he's getting pissed at nine o'clock on a Sunday. What's going on? To be fair, I've been getting tested about two o'clock, so, you know. Excellent. I presume that's when you just woke up, I guess. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I woke up at one. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Oh, to be that to be that young and to live that life oh, again. I've got well, no money either, so it's, it's not advised. Well, to be honest, man, I'm 32. I've been working for 15 years. I've not got any money either, so it's nothing changes. Nothing changes. Oh, Righty-o, Bolton Wanderers. Um, right, Bolton won, Leeds 2, FA Cup. Uh, I didn't go. Um, um, Liam didn't go. Dan didn't go. So, Liam Tom... No, 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 Liam's a Rotherham, uh, Rotherham sole attendee, just as I was. So, Tom, Bolton 1 leads to run us through the game, your thoughts. Keep it as uh, as, as eloquent, as concise Keep as you wish. Keep it as brief as fucking possible, because we want to get onto the good stuff. Exactly. <laughs> uh, we were absolutely crap. They were actually very good. Um, for a Steve Evans side, I expected it to be a bit rough, but they, were, uh, they played some good stuff. Um, and then we decided to turn up with 10 minutes left. And it wasn't enough, and we lost, and we're out of the FA Cup. Uh, and then on Tuesday night, we played Wolves, Chris. Fantastic, that's it. That's why we've got you on, Tom. That's why <laughs> we've got you on for the important reviews like that. Wolverhampton Wanderers away, two apiece. Came back from uh, from the absolute brink of disaster. Uh, I followed the game on, on the internet, on Twitter, and the, the absolute carnage amongst Bolton fans was palpable. And then it turned into absolute delirium. And then we had one person who described the comeback as adequate. There you go. Agendas being see-through are the best kind of agendas, I think. Uh, Liam, Wolves away to a piece. He started with Kane Woolery up front. Um, was that a desperate throw of the dice, do you think? Or do you think it was a, a carefully considered tactical manoeuvre from a manager who wants to beat Barcelona? Uh, definitely a carefully considered tactical manoeuvre. Obviously, <laughs> obviously it is. Um, he's had a, he has had a tendency, Lennon, to throw the kids in in diff- more difficult games. But I think that's because, given our away record, we really can't expect to get anything away at Wolves. So it's a good opportunity for Kane Mullery to start. Why not? I'd rather him start, start have his first start there than at home against Rotherham. So it was a good experiment. We played very well by all accounts. And it gave us a good basis for a team in the more important game at the weekend. Absolutely. Momentum, momentum being key when you're in the sort of hole that we're in. Um, 
Tom, um, he started with Kane Woolery up front. Think that was a carefully considered move by a manager who once beat Barcelona. Do you think he was plucking a desperate a desperate formation out of his ass? <laughs> I'm sorry, Liam, but as usual, I disagree with you. Um, it, it wasn't. He was the only fit striker, wasn't he? Being he was. He was. Hesky, hesky aside, and we can't play Hesky for more than sixty minutes in every two games. And I think he'd uh, earmarked Rotherham as the one. So. I, I don't think he had much of a choice with Woolery, but I mean, you can't say he's not deserved to be thrown in the way he's the way he's played. He came on against Leeds and he he, he showed signs of enthusiasm and tried to make things happen. So I wouldn't say it's not deserved, but at the same time, when with Medina out at the minute, and I don't know where Scholler is. Scholler's probably sat at a bus stop playing playing the guitar or something. <laughs> so I don't I don't know. It's, I think it's more out of necessity than anything. Agreed completely. Dan, uh, I know you, you didn't attend, you were probably uh, playing guitar on a bus stop somewhere, but uh, anything further to add on that on the Wolves game before we hey, knock it on the head and move on to something proper? Dobby. What is he? Because, like, oh, why? Everyone just started moaning when he came on, and probably rightfully so, but then he just fucking. As you know what I love, actually? Bolton Twitter for saying that his free kick was sick when it was deflected in. I, like, I, I respect that fucking. Um, <laughs> that's such exaggeration, but. That was a great result, like as we, as I think Liam just said, that point probably spurred us on to go on and then to you know get such an important result on Saturday. Just gone. I mean, two last-minute goals in two games. <clears throat> when was the last time that happened? Very good question. I certainly can't think off the top of my head, and I'm glad you've just brought that up now. Without when, warning me in advance, me to do any checking. When was the last time we came behind? Came from behind mm-hmm. from two goals down as well. Well, we did do it with Charlton away. I didn't know that one. Sorry for wrecking your point there, Tom. Did we did we get a point at Charlton? Yeah, yeah, because uh, they went up two up in like eight minutes, oh, and then Vela yeah. and Heskey. Yeah, of course they did. Yeah, it's it's refreshing to see us actually come come from Fine. behind, get something out of the game. Yeah, and even though by all accounts we played fucking wank against Rotherham, which I'm sure Chris will now discuss. Well, maybe one day we'll actually start playing a game as we seem to be finishing them because uh, the, the way we ended the game on Saturday, and we'll talk about that in more depth shortly, was, was, was encouraging to see, I thought, never mind the way we started the game. I know we got an early goal and so on, but that was uh, that was by the by. We, we got pretty much battered, didn't we? But let's go straight into Rotherham. Uh, I'll give you my, my two pen if I mean, uh, obviously I wrote my five things last night, which I, I can you barely remember. You can tell doing. a million miles you were fucking smashed right in those. Well, I do want to just apologise for the, the language. It's very coarse. Daniel Murphy esque. Daniel Murphy esque swearing. The ratings. I think I'm stand by the ratings. I think. Oh, they were minus... great. They were just like you could tell you were pissed, right? Well, what can you do? I've got another child on the way in a few weeks. I'm going to try and enjoy myself while I possibly can. Um, but no, I thought Rotherham. I thought we we started off pretty poorly, to be honest with you, and we were a, we were the poorer team for for the majority of the game. I think. I mean, I know Mark Isles disagreed in his tweet. He sent out at half time about Wanderers being the better side. I can't say I agree with that. And we were very fortunate to get the three points, but you know it's about time that we started having the rub of the green. I think um, Liam, first of all, going to give us your your impressions of the game. Yeah, I agree with you, Chris. Actually, if you look at the stats of the game, it gives you the idea of quite an even fixture. Possession is pretty much fifty fifty. Same shots, same shots on target. But I do think Rotherham were far more dangerous than us, and I think we were fortunate to be in the game because I think we look like conceding every time we're put under pressure with our defence at the moment and I know Rob Rob Holding's done well since he's come into the Bolton side but I'm not convinced at centre-back yet I'm afraid but we hung in there 
And as the game got on, perhaps because we were at home, where we are still okay, certainly, we started to come in out on top and probably got the win that on another day we could have lost. Dan, same question to you. Well, as someone who literally followed the game off Twitter in the Wigan end at Sheffield United... Um... More of which, more of which later on, dear listener. Believe me, more well, of which later on. Yeah, it was, it was, it was fun, shall we say? But yeah, it's weird. It's like I thought we, like, we was winning until the end of half time. I was like, oh, we must be doing relatively all right. It might be we've done the old start well, do well, but then not take chances and then you know fuck it away. But um, it seemed like Rafa were actually battering us in that. In the after our goal and Silver's goal, which was this offside or what? Because I've only seen it from a, not a good angle. Was I've he not seen it, I've not seen a good enough replay to to know it. it. It looked like it was possible at the time from where I was sat that it, one of them. It looked like he'd come. He managed to get in front of the defender. I know he's quick, but maybe not that quick. But I'd have to see it again to be sure. You know. But it just seemed like everyone was saying that it's been coming and all that type of stuff. So I was like, Chris Burke always, always fucking scores against us. The Jesus. <laughs> so it was. Sorry about that. So it was all, um, it just felt like it was um, typical Bolton again, just fucking away after a good advantage. But for sticking in with it, you know, Ben Amos deserved a lot of credit because he's got a lot of deserved stick recently, but he kept it in that game and proved uh, you know, how priceless he is to us with Agreed. two big saves. And then we ended up winning Agreed. it from Big Kane, who, you know, hopefully stick to claim to be starting more regularly. I know he can't really be playing on his own because he's not that type of striker. <clears> he, just get, he just gets isolated like at Wolves. But um, he showed his predatory instinct, shall we say. And what I also find from just the Rotherham game is I find it quite um, pleasing to see Matt Davis like pivotally involved with both goals. He like he played the ball back to Spirit for the first one and then had the uh, made the run and had the shot for the second one. So even though I think he had a quiet game-ish compared to you know, him, his standards, but it was nice to see him getting involved, which was you know I found quite pleasing. Most definitely. On, on the topic of Chris Burke, just to come back, does anybody remember when we had that uh, that mooted transfer deal at Birmingham yeah, to swap Chris, swap Chris Burke for, uh, stop Chris Burke for Chungi? No, wasn't it? We're just like it was a free agent when he Burke, and we had the choice between getting Burke or Feeney. We got Feeney. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. We were going to flog Chungi to buy Chris Burke. What a deal that would have been, eh? I'd have taken him. He's a good, very good championship player. I feel, and he always scores against us. I don't know why he's ended up uh, ended up at Rotherham because surely because he's every, you always end up where you deserve, mate. You end up no, where he you was deserve. Where's he gone to? He, he, got to, he went to Forest. Forest. Right? So fucking Nottingham Dougie, Forest. Dougie's a cunt, isn't he? He didn't want him at Bolton when he would have been sick, and he just fucking got rid of him there. <laughs> oh, the paley skin to it. I don't know. I don't know. Daniel Murphy, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Tom. Rotherham game. Um, obviously, he went with Esky to start. We didn't really have much of a choice, and it it sort of worked out the way that most Esky games do, don't they? And that he were, he makes you angry, and then he goes off after an hour. Yeah, he just he's struggling now, isn't he? It's like he is. it's sad to see. He, he needs yeah. putting down. But it's it's, it's just his it, it, his body's just giving up on him now. I think, and I think Esky must know it. Heskey must know it. Lennon's, Lennon will know from what he can see. Um, I mean, even even in the short space of what about twelve months, um, you've seen a big difference in his his fitness levels. I just don't think he's he's cut out for it anymore, which is a shame. Um, because I still think you know he, he's very. Go on, try to say he's our best striker again. I dare you. Well, <laughs> well, he is, isn't he? No, he. 
in history, maybe, but he's not no, our best striker. No, not, not our best striker in history, Dan, no. No, I don't but mean that. I mean, we've like. Got Gary Medine. <laughs> oh, you twisted my words, you dick. <laughs> oh. Come on. Explain your point, Tom. Right. Am I right? Am I right in saying Kane Worley's been playing right wing quite a bit? He's come on occasionally. Um, nah, he's, he's, play, he's been playing up front mostly this season. Right, so we're going off what, two appearances for Kane. Gary Medine's Gary Medine. If I mean, he's, he's, his body's given up. He's in, ter- in terms of his, his ability, what's been and when he came, he had an impact. But it's just it's sad to watch now because his his body's given up on him. There was one point in the second half where he was fouled on the halfway line as, as an attack carried on. Um, I think he was still struggling to get back up to the top by the time the attack had gone down the other end five minutes later. I remember when we played Rotherham away, actually, when we got spanked, and he, um, in the like, the first 15 minutes or so, he proper proper intensely chased down a defender, closing him down, trying to win the ball back. And so he probably ran at his full speed for about 20 seconds or so, and after it he fell off, and it was like a sort of tranquilising elephant. He just went <laughs> down like a fucking sack of shit, and he was not getting up for a bit. And then he See, that's why I tell people at five. That's why I tell people at five aside. There's no point closing down. You just tie yourself out. Yeah, true, true, true. Fuck that Gigan pressing, whatever it's called. Yeah, bloody bullshit, man, bullshit. Um, he did that uh, podcast with Barry Glendenning for the Guardian. Oh yeah, yeah. Barry Glendenning asked him if you could give the young Emil Heskey any advice. What would it be? And his advice to his younger self would be to do less running. Really? That was well, his advice to his younger self. I think he's wow. fucked himself up by his running in his early days. I don't really remember him in his early days, but he just always... said he just said it was he just said he was wasted it was wasted energy. Yeah. And it was Martin O'Neill that told him to stop running. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, it was. Uh, it wasn't only Eski who was part of the problem. I thought we were we were pretty poor in, on on the ball uh, against Rotherham. We, our passing was atrocious. Uh, we'll go through it player by player shortly and, and, and analyse that and see what we thought about it. But uh, in general, did you think the midfield was a problem, Liam, or did you think it was more a case of us uh, not having much up front, so we had no choice but to play it long to a to an Emil Eski who was struggling to to hold on to the ball? I think it's a byproduct of who you pick. I think. Whilst it was probably the best game he's played in a long time, Jay Spearing is often the problem when it comes to keeping the ball because he simply can't do it. He's not quick enough on it and his passing is, is wayward. And it's got to the point where he's actually understanding that now and he's not trusting himself to play at any sort of pace. So I think when you're picking Spearing, you're saying that we need to be looking longer. And I think with Heskey, the problem is, is like Tom says... The will is there, but the legs just aren't anymore. And it must be frustrating for him because he does have the guile. And you can see that he's looking to play the right ball, but it's just it's just not there for him. And it's so frustrating that we can't even have a Shulami Oba that wants to play for us for free. Because I think we would be a much better team just with that full up there. Because I think everything else, it would be okay. I don't know what you think, Chris. Do you think that the problem is... And it just... Before we carry on as well, I just want to say, as a bit of a disclaimer, that we don't know. Chris Burke may or may not... Why are you fucking right enough? I was going to edit it out, you <laughs> goon. <laughs> so, You've yeah, given me so much work to do now. The, the, line, the line of Vienna has, does not know that, so we have made no comment about that. 
That reminds me of a Harry Hill so gig I once went to see where he was calling back jokes from about 45 minutes earlier. I completely forgotten about that. But yeah, I just want to just uh, just make it very clear from a legal perspective. We have no evidence for uh, to the contrary or, or in any relationship to Gary Medin. He has anything going on in that sort of regard. I'm sure he's a lovely man who, who treats his mum really well. Manny, talk about silver because you like silver at the minute, don't you? Who doesn't? Do you, do you not like Wellington? No, I do. I think he's he has no end product, but who gives a fuck? Because he's like, a he's like easily almost like explosively like he can get he can make not something out of nothing, but he also has like that that favela war like feeling where he just like he'll kill someone for like t- stamping on his toe or something. You know, I love it. I, we'll go through the players one by one, but I, t- I just think that there's jo- there's joy in Wellington Silver's game. All right, there's, there's loads of frustration now. I'm not I'm not blind to that. But there is so much joy in watching him play football. I, I fail to understand the, the criticism, at least on a, on a, on a surface level. The but people I who don't what... like him are like the type of people who think James Milner is like the best player in the world. It's like they love the hard work rather than the actual skill. Hey, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm all for hard work and I'm all for... Yeah, I'm all for it. There's a place for that in every team, but I also think there's a place for for a complete maverick lunatic, and I think that's the, that's the box he ticks, especially in this league. Someone as fast and tricky as him who can win a set piece is absolutely essential. But let's 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 bring some structure back to this. Let's go through the players one by one. I'll give you all all three of you a chance to to have your opinion. Mention Amos a little bit. Well, let's start with him at the him at the back. He's been slagged off lately, hasn't he? He's made a few mistakes yeah, as well. There's, I no, think no, the one, there's no getting away from it. It was against recently when he conceded one from quite close range. Actually, like went over him. That was in Le- that was Leeds, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was very poor. I've like he's he's conceded <coughs> a lot from long range, and that seemed to be his like That's weakness right. recently. But I've always like you know the pot shots. You know you might not have seen him play all excuse for that, but that one against Leeds was very poor. So it's good to see him come back a bit. It, cer- it certainly was. I gave him an eight on the my player ratings. Dan, what, what would you have given Amos on Saturday's performance? Well, from the same from the saves that we've seen, you know, we kept in the game and it was quite pivotal. So probably eight or higher, really, considering you know, without him we'd have lost that easily. Agreed. Liam, do you just run to what you thought Amos did and finish it with your own rating as well, and then then we'll come to Tom for the same. I agree with you. Eight. It was a very good Amos game, but I am very much a doubter in Ben Amos. But I cannot fault. The Rotherham game, he was fantastic. Agreed. Tom? I think he was the difference, wasn't he? I um, think so too. He makes those two crucial saves and that could have that could have seen him to win it. So I think eight eight sounds pretty fair to me. Yep, brilliant. Um okay, we're going to Josh Vella at right back now. From my point of view, Vella he, he overlapped a couple of times. He was ignored a couple of times by Feeney, but he was pretty, pretty solid and spe- if unspectacular. I gave him a seven due to the fact that he had uh, didn't have a great deal to do, but at the same time, he was pretty solid in what he did do. Um, Dan, on to you, well, Vela. Consider, well, considering I've only seen like a two-minute highlight video, it's like quite hard for me to say anything on the players who weren't really involved in that. So, like the players like Vela, Moxie, people like that, I can't really comment. But you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take your word for it. That's all I ask. Blind loyalty. Liam? Yeah, solid, wasn't he? Solid. Uh, I think what worries me about Vela in terms of when he's in that sort of position is he doesn't seem to be switched on for the cover if a centre-back gets exposed. But I suppose naturally he isn't that position, is he? So maybe Exactly. I think we can forgive that. I think we can forgive him maybe a little bit for a bit, bit of defensive uh, positional mistakes from time to time. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, you've got to account for it, haven't you? And he's done a very competent job as a right back. And but yeah, it's just just that bit missing. But I suppose that'll come with time. Agreed, Tom. I just want to see him in midfield. 
I mean, he's 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 solid enough. He's 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 playing he's playing okay. He's he's not having a nightmare there. But I just want him to, at, at this at his age now. What is he? Twenty two. I just want to see him, I just want to see him play in his natural position now. But to be fair, we'd need to have right backs to do that. So I can see why he's playing there. I can think of a couple. I can think of a couple that we've got. You know. Sold them all, haven't we? There's one on the bench still. Who you're quite familiar with, Tom? I know. I know. I missed his homecoming. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I don't think he'll play for us again. So. Hey, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with the lad. He'll, uh, he'll he'll give his chance. I'm sure he will. We know Alan likes to make these mystifying inclusions from time to time. Speaking of mystifying inclusions, Dorian Devee. <laughs> um, again, in my ratings, I gave him a one, um, which I think I probably it was a bit unfair. Uh, I think I've overrated his performance slightly by giving him a one. So let's go back to the inf- to uh, Dorian Devee, and we'll actually we'll revert that to a minus uh, two thousand million. The Possibly the worst centre half I think I've ever seen for Wanderers. He's Gerald Sid. No, I, I only saw two or three games of him, so I think it's maybe a little unfair to uh, just to, to say that about Gerald Sid. But, but as far as I can see, with defeat, we've got a defender who has got no idea how to defend. We've got a footballer who's got no idea how to play football, and we've got someone who just looks dopey as sin. And, and I just don't like him. I just got no no time for him. I don't think he's got a place in our team at all. Imagine him again. I've said it before. The yeah. old imaginary elastic piece of elastic between him and the ball. He comes and goes, but he never stays in the right place for too long. What do you think, Dan? All I say is that for fucking once, he did a long ball up and it led to a goal and didn't go out for a fucking throwing. So for that, I feel like it's a fairly positive performance for him. So yeah, yeah I suppose on, on average we'll stick it. We'll stick him as a ten. Uh, Tom, come to you on that one. He's, I'm sick of. I'm sick of. Oh, I don't want to talk about Dorian Devee. I'm sick of seeing his disappointed face after something goes wrong. Every time he turns his back on on, on the goalkeeper after after letting the letting the defence down or being out of position, he's just oh, he constantly looks disappointed. He's inept, completely inept. Liam, can you say anything nice about Devee? Has he got nice hair? Or he's not even got a proper beard, has he? He's got one of them scraggly, crappy ones. Yeah, he's not doing even pulling up any trees on the beard front either. I mean, he's quite a handsome chap. That that that, that helps him. But um, and do you know what the concerns me the most is that we've got Robolding next to him at the moment. I can't understand mm. what good that's going to do for anybody. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's tricky, isn't it? When you see Prince go, and I wasn't the biggest Prince fan either, if I'm being honest. <laughs> it's just. Um, our our ability in that area of the pitch is is just it, like it's, it's disappointing, isn't it, Tom? Like you say, I, there's not really an awful lot I can say that hasn't been said here about Dorian Devee. No, you're right, and I agree about Prince. I mean, bat dance was good, but uh, ever since he changed when he was uh, he was the symbol, he went downhill in my estimation as well. Right, shit jokes about pop stars aside, Rob Holding. I gave Rob Holding a seven. Um, I agree it's about him being centre-half. I'm not entirely sure whether I think he's, a, he's definitely going to be a centre-half. But again, I thought, barring one or two slight errors, I thought he was really good. Um, I gave him a seven. But what do you think, Liam? Come straight back to you. Six, I think. I, I, he, he wasn't his best, I don't think. I think maybe it's because of what he's got around him because I've been generally very impressed with him since he's come into the Bolton team. But I did, I did feel like he could get worked at a position quite easily. And it was perhaps some of that I hadn't seen necessarily before. So I, I went to six. He obviously he wasn't the issue for me, but at the same time, we had defensive problems and he wasn't necessarily 
coming to the rescue either. No, I completely agree. Um, Tom, what do you reckon? Yeah, but pretty much along the same lines as Liam. I mean, he, it's it is scary that he's he's got David alongside him. It'd be nice if it was a uh, if it was Weeter. Um, it'd be, you know, when when he's back and fully fit, it might be better for for him to because I think at the minute he's just he's, he's getting his he's, he's finding his feet, isn't he? Um, and he needs to have somebody competent alongside him to do it. Yeah, again, no no arguments there. Dan, I know it's difficult for you to say, yeah, I mean, uh, just... I mean attended a different game, but uh, what's been your general impression oh, of Holding since I he like came in? I like him inside? a lot, and I think from what I've seen, he looks really good, and he's got his first goal in Cadons of the week, which is funny, because I have a mate who, when we was driving up for the East League game, he um, he put like 20 quid on Holding to score, and he, and he nearly did as well. And then, the, like the subsequent two games after, he put money on Holland to score again. And then, when it came to NK Dons, he didn't put him on to score. And obviously, nice. he then went and did. But I, I, I like him a lot. I think it's you know it's good to see. Uh, you, I thought after the um, after his long spell at Bury last season, when he uh, didn't really, I think he played once and never played again. And didn't really look to be that good. I thought he'd get released in the summer. Or like his time was here was done. But he's proved. You know, he's proved me wrong. He's come in. He's done really, really well. It's really good to see. It seems like he's jumped. You know, leapfrogged like the likes of Quade Taylor, Freckeld, and whatnot in the in the hierarchy. And it's um, it's just good to see him doing well. And again, I thought he looked. He looked like he got a bit outrun for the goal for Rotherham. But um, you know, it was you know, defeat out of position. Vela not exactly switched on as Liam said. It you know, it's not all entirely his fault. So yeah, I'm happy. Not at doing all. It. It's interesting, I think, how he's uh, he's coming in and he's, he has leapfrog Quade Taylor, like you say, who, who started the last game of the season. Let's not forget against yeah. Birmingham. Uh, was it last game yeah, of the season? Was. I think against Birmingham. I can't remember. I was on my holidays anyway. I didn't go. Shit, fan. Um, but it's interesting that, that he's done that, and and we know Lennon like is not afraid of giving the kids a go. But it seems like some of the kids who had a go previously, like Tom Walker and Quade Taylor, yeah, uh, have now have now vanished into the into the uh, the nothingness that Jay Spearing used to be involved in. Um, that one thing that I never quite followed on Lennon's logic in that, but that's uh, that's just one of my quirks. That's for that's for another day. Um, Moxie was at left back. I thought it was maybe one of Moxie's weaker games um, of the last few weeks. He was a little bit sloppy in possession um, and didn't quite get forward as much as he has lately as well. I still gave him a seven because I thought defensively he was sound, um, and you can't really ask more about more than that from a left back. I don't think it's one of those positions that you put the sort of you know the weird kid in that you don't really want him to play in your team, but you, you give him a go because his mum's friends with your mum. Um, but uh, Liam, what, what do you think about Moxie? I mean, feel free to, to refer to his season as a whole if it helps to, ref- to reinforce any points you're, you're thinking of making. Well, yeah, that, I, I was gonna, that's exactly what I was going to do because it was a quieter game from him. Like you say, with, with left back, you can often be missing for three or four games a season in a row. Uh, but I, I'm of the view, and I don't know if it's been really shared, that, that Dean Moxie's probably our best player. Um, and I Certainly, think, player of the year. I think I think player of the year candidate without question. Yeah, I mean, it's just the only thing is he's he's still a left back, isn't he? So, you know, there's only so much you can do to a game. So, yeah, it, it was quiet, but again, he's he's a left back, so there's only so much you can do, really. Definitely. Any any issue on that one, Tom? No, no. My only issue is that I put him down as our worst player at the uh, at the start of the season with our season predictions. Yeah, I do remember uh, that. Yeah, put him down. I mean, he's just a totally different player, and I think what we need to add to it as well is the winger in front of him gives him nothing defensively. Um, if you switch switch the wings over, um, I think Josh Vella you'd see he'd struggle far more. 
if it wasn't Feeney in front of him, if it was Silver. So I think we've got to factor in that we've got we've got very little defensive work on the on the left wing. So he's, he tends to be exposed quite often, but he, he deals with it pretty well. I'm really surprised with, with how he's played this season. I think that's a, really positively. that's a really good point about what Wellington offers him, because Wellington literally doesn't look bothered. He, he makes no attempt to hide the fact that he has no interest in the defensive side. And we'll get on to him later, but the fact that Moxie can sort of overcome that, and don't get me wrong, we are sec- second bottom in the league, but Moxie's come out of the season with a positive reputation, Shows just how well he's been playing. Do you not remember we had this issue a few years ago with uh, Tyrone Mears and Mark Davies being played on the right flank, and it meant that uh, that Mears was having to do the work of three men, and I think that contributed to, it, to, to his defend, downfall. People tried to defend Mears; he was always right. <clears throat> he was, and, and and I'm not saying he's not, but I'm just saying that if we're talking about um, the lack of defensive cover afforded by Welly causing uh, Moxie to yeah. to appear too busy, I think it's only fair to to reference other players that's had the same thing too, but. In Moxie's defence, he's done well to not let that problem uh, hamper his own performances. He's been excellent, definitely. Let's just hope um, he break his fucking toe again, because we're fucked otherwise, which we'll come on to again. Well, exactly, exactly. We're, we are looking a bit thin at the back, aren't we, in terms of numbers. Um, but one person that's come back in was, was Spearing. He made an impact with that lovely goal in the first minute. Took it really well. Um, but how else do you, how do you think he did otherwise? Um, I mean, as I wrote in my ratings, he, he's like me at five-a-side. He, he kicks people, and every now and then he, he twats one from outside the box and it goes in, but that's pretty much it. Um, Tom, what did you think about Spain and his performance? I, I, again, I mean, similar to Trotter, and I'm sure we're going to cover it, I'm, I'm really pleased with how Spain's dealt with how he's been managed. Um, I know he's a big lad. He's a big boy, and he's... He's been the captain of of the club and he's been out on loan elsewhere, but it can't it can't be good for for his ego whatsoever to be shipped out on loan and then he comes back and he's frozen out and he's on the bench and getting maybe ten minutes when we've got a result to protect and then you know he came in um, yesterday and by all accounts had a pretty good game. Um, you know what you're going to get from him. Um, you know he's going to try and do too much at times and try and spray a forty yard ball. Um, and it'll end up in the stand. But apart from that, you, he he certainly gives us he gives us a bit of steel. Um, against Leeds when he came on, the midfield looked stronger as well. Yep, no no issues with that one. Uh, Liam, how do you think Spearing got on? Good. This is kind of game, isn't it? You know, it's a bit of a battle in the centre, and there's no question that he has that in him, that he can break up play and he can lead in the midfield. It's just perhaps when we're on top that I struggle about sparing. But, yeah, it's his kind of game and he turned up and it was good to see. And like Tom said, you know, in regards to... Obviously, he's been shipped out on loan to Blackburn and, we, you know, there's very few people I wish that to. And he's really sort of maintained that dignity and kept his head in there and kept working for the Bolton cause. And I think a lot of the other players could learn a lot from his attitude of Jay Spearing, really. Agreed. And uh, the Blackburn fans that I consort with, and, and believe me, they're very few... They all thought he was he was the bees knees spearing. They were very disappointed. Obviously, they had that transfer embargo meant they couldn't sign him. Um, okay, but talking about another ex Blackburn player, Liam Feeney. Um, I just recommend you check out my player ratings on the website. I've, I've gone through what I think about Feeney, how frustrating he is, um, and I'm not going to belabor the point again. Cause I'm sure you all listen to me on Twitter, and you, I bore you all to death every single day about Feeney. So I'll, I'll stick out with this one. But Tom, how do you think that uh, that the world's greatest right uh, right winger did on Saturday? It's just it's just a Feeney performance, isn't it? Get the ball onto your right foot, win a corner, put a crap corner in, repeat. 
five out of ten. Absolutely, absolutely, five out of ten. Very, very generous, Liam. How did you think he did? I'm not going to get stuck into the stats because it's just frustrating, isn't it? You feel like you can't criticise the guy because someone will throw a stat in your face, but we can all see with our own eyes that, for me, he makes us worse than we are. The amount of attacks that go to him, and you can see a centre midfielder or an attacker drop in and mean loads of space, but you know what he's going to do, and everyone in the world knows what he's going to do, and it's just it's just not entertaining. Put simply, it's, it's dull. Yeah. It's boring to watch. He's not even that good at it either. Yes, he might have got whatever assists and whatever goals, but our eyes aren't lying to us. The guy's not championship level. He's our main player and we are going down. So what does that tell you? We, he is not this level. I don't know how he maintained it before he came to us. It's just... I just don't get why people... Continue to defend him to me. Then make a but, real issue of doing so as well. Yeah, the, the internet white knights. I, I totally understand where where they're coming from. There's issues, not not Bolton really, but there's issues that I'll probably. I mean, supporters trust, for example, there's issues there that I I, I don't see a negative to, and so I'll wade into any debate defending the supporters trust. People feel the same about Feeney. It's just a, it's just the way we all are. But I think everyone's entitled to their opinion, no matter which way which way you fall on the Feeney debate. Um, and I think we could all be united in our anger and our sheer downright rage when Woolery broke the bloody land speed record to, to win that ball in the second half, only to lay it off to our man who fucking twatted the bastard into the north stand car park. You know, it's just it's just it's baffling how he, he continues to, to do that every single week and he continues to be to be trusted by Lenin. Not only that, trusted to become a fucking centre forward at one point on on Friday, let's not forget. Um, the man's an enigma wrapped wrapped up in a riddle. I'll tell you what we do need to give him credit for is he far, far, way and and above anybody else gets a lot of abuse from the stands Um, and his his effort levels are never anything less than 100%, which we do need to give him credit for. Definitely, and and I'm not not for one second saying he's not a hard worker because he clearly clearly is a hard worker. But then again, I, I wonder whether that's anything to do with the fact that he knows he's fucking stealing a living. It's probably not. It's probably just my my uh, prejudices coming out already about a player that I don't particularly rate. But yeah, you're right. He's a hard worker and he's a trier. He's certainly tried my patience on many a fucking occasion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> shifting on, shifting on to someone who we can talk a lot more positively about from Darren from. Uh, Liam Feeney, who got minus one million on my player ratings, to Darren Prattley, who got a zero. Darren Prattley, he's back to old Pratters, isn't he? He's absolutely bobbins. Uh, Dan, we didn't talk to you about Liam, about uh, Feeney. We'll, we'll, we'll skip you and all for Prattley just because you didn't go, so it's a bit yeah, pointless. Fair, but uh, but Liam, how did you think Prattley did? I, I thought he, he struggled. He was poor on the ball. He, he did a lot, of, a lot of running, again, talking about Feeney putting a lot of graft in. But Johan Almanda did a lot of running as well, and that was only to try and pretend that he was putting effort in himself. So how did you think he did? I felt he was distracted. I just didn't feel like he was just with it at all. It was it, it was like he was in second gear in terms of putting a shift in, but it had come to the moment, and it would just be a lax touch, or the player would just lose him all of a sudden. It was like in Space Jam where they nick all these talents and they're just walking around. <laughs> it was excellent, excellent film. Yeah, it was just bizarre because the things that you would associate on a positive Prattley are very, they're very difficult to get wrong because they're quite 
sort of raw ability kind of thing, you know. Well, he's very he's very athletic, isn't he? There's no getting away from that. He's very athletic. He's he's, he's a good good runner, and yeah. he'll probably do that every, all day and all night. But but you know, it's the other bits that comprise being a footballer that I've got a problem with. Yeah, it just it just, just distracted. Very very shoddy and below par. Concerning, really. <clears throat> Agreed, Tom. Do you think Bradley is? Uh, He's doing well to keep himself in the team at this minute in time. I think we're missing something. Um, it's it's really up and down with Prattley at the minute, isn't it? Um, I mean, I don't want to use a Leninism, but he is playing within himself, and it's. I mean, he's that type of player that you know high energy levels gets across the pitch. Um, when he doesn't turn up, when he doesn't play, it's really noticeable just because of the type of player that he is. Um, and I think that added to the fact that Liam Trotter's coming in, he's playing relatively well. Um, and when when you judge Prattley against how Trotter's doing, it doesn't reflect well on Prattley either. No, I agree completely. Agree completely. Uh, we'll talk about Trotter in a minute or two when we get on to the subs. I thought Mark Davies was decent. He was in and out of the game, but when he was on the ball, he was always dangerous going forward. Um, am I on the right track with that one, Liam? I gave him a six purely because his, his end product wasn't the best, um, as again, as it, as it has been many a time in the past. Um, I just want to see him play a bit further forward still. I know we have this debate quite a lot. Yeah, we have covered Mark Davis quite a lot this season. A lot of us have been quite frustrated because he's been able to put together quite a string of games this season. And usually, when he has done that in the past, we've often seen him hit quite good form levels, but we've not necessarily seen that yet. But it's getting patchy. I think I think he's getting there. You know, there's the, the odd moment where you're thinking, you know, he's involved in... You know, we, we scored two goals and he was involved in them both. So, you know, maybe he's getting there. I think it comes off the back of sort of the positive vibe that Wellington's creating in the team. He's creating a confidence that but we can go past people. And people like Mark Davis are suddenly remembering that they're not bad players. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think he's getting there, but I think we're a few weeks off seeing a, you know, a, a really good Mark Davis yet. Uh, agreed, Tom. Do you think that the uh, the failed move to Wednesday is playing on his mind at all? It see, it seems like the opposite, doesn't it? It seems like that moves out of the window and he can concentrate on his football now. Um, yeah. I mean, we're talking about Mark Davis not having a great season, but I, I can only imagine what the midfield would have been like if he had gone to Sheffield Wednesday. Um, it doesn't doesn't really bear thinking about uh, unless he was going to play Josh Feller in midfield. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's good to see him. Well, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it seems like he can just concentrate on his football now. Yeah, well, let's hope that's the case because um, we know what he's like when he's on form. Uh, Wellington, we've spoken a little bit about. Yeah, he's selfish. Yeah, you know, if you if you don't deserve him at his uh, his worst, you can't handle him at his best. Blah blah blah. I gave him an eight purely because I like watching him. I like his unpredictability. Um, Liam, just briefly, what do you think? He's not my type of player at all, Wellington. I've got no sort of questions saying that. However, we need him. Massively, massively need him. With him, we have hope because we're in a team full of... It's so toothless, our team, without him. But as soon as he gets the ball, and if you go past one player, the pitch just opens up for us massively. And I think he's going under the radar slightly against a lot of our opponents because I'm surprised that I'm not seeing him double, triple marked yet. It seems to be... He seems to be still getting these one-on-ones with full-backs. So as long as he's been not noticed, I'm happy because as soon as he goes past someone, it creates us this opportunity. I think the reason that we're scoring a few more goals recently is simply down to the fact that he can go past players. 
Totally agree. Totally agree. Okay, okay. Moving on. Uh, Emil Saint Emil again. We've spoken a little bit about him. Um, yeah, it's a bit. It's, it's a bit upsetting, really. And it's like your old faithful dog who, uh, who who's legs dragging behind him. He keeps shitting himself every now and then. And you, you look at him and you shout. You shouting his name, and he, and he sort of gets a vague sense that somebody wants him, but but really, it's just not anything like it once was. Um, it's 2016, lads. I mean, come on, we're, we're on the brink of having these hoverboards from Back to the Future being invented. Blah blah blah. We still get Esky up front. It's embarrassing, isn't it? Really, Tom. It is. It is when you know, Giggs is retired. Owen's retired. Gerard's, but basically retired. So was, you know what I mean? Like the, the players of that that England team have all gone, and he he doesn't have any contemporaries. His contemporaries are the fucking managers. I know. Well, this is it. This is it. Um... Yeah, it's, I, I just I, your analogy was it was it was gallows humour, but it was it was pretty much spot on. Mm. Um, it's yeah, it's it's difficult to watch a meal at the minute. It certainly is, um, Liam. Do you think we need to take him around the back of the bike shed and shoot him in the head? Well, I don't think we need to do that. But that's <laughs> where I said my comment earlier on Mr. Chris Burke. That it's metaphorical. So was mine. Less so. A metaphorical nonce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why not, eh? <laughs> we're, we're back on the same topic again, boys. Yeah, non- we're back. Sorry. No, a again, sorry, Chris Burke. We know you're not a nonce. Well, you're probably not a nonce. But he's never been arrested for it. Let's get that clear. You put way more attention on this than I did. He's never been caught. <laughs> Anyway, Emil Eskin. Um, yeah, it's a shame. He's also he's also not a sex offender that we know of. <laughs> he, uh, it's a shame, isn't it? Bless him. Um, uh, he just seems to be nice to have around, though, doesn't he? At the same time, you know, the, the, the world passes him by. He's sat there having a look what's going on. But yeah, <laughs> sixty minutes is a long time, isn't it? <laughs> like. <laughs> It certainly, it certainly feels like it at times. <laughs> <laughs> I just think he's doing Lennon a favour. Lennon's his mate, and I think he, he'd have been long finished if it wasn't for the fact that we need him just as a, just because we absolutely need a striker. I can only hope and pray that he's cheap. Uh, but let's move on before we start getting any more libel uh, lawsuits sent through to LLV Towers. Uh, right, Stephen Dobby changed the game when he... Oh, hang on, no, that's Liam Trotter, what am I talking about? <laughs> Stephen Dobby, uh, did he touch the ball? No idea, Tom. Let's fucking skip him. Come on, we're running late. Let's fuck him off. Let's skip him, right, okay. Uh, Kane <laughs> Woolery, Kane Woolery, came on, ran around a bit, scored a cracking Kane goal. Kane Kane goal. am I right? You are right. Tom, Kane Woolery, what do you reckon? Oh, he's the next Zach Clough. <laughs> he's gonna, yeah, he's gonna score ten goals before the end. He's of the, the next season. Jamie Thomas. Yeah, the, the yeah, the next Jamie Thomas. Uh, it, it's, it's too soon to sell, but the early signs are looking pretty good. Um, he's he he, he he runs the channel well, um, and he, he he seems to be making things happen. So I hope it carries on. You know what's underrated as well? His chest down. From Davies Ball that led to the chance for the goal as well. That was very nicely done. That and then following the oh, run in to put it away. Yeah, it's, it's good to see him doing, you know, you know, pay, repaying these opportunities because you know he, he was isolated against Wolves, where he was up front of his own. But you know, 
buried the with the with Saturday, so all all good. It's good to see. You know, it's just good to see youngsters out of my squad just fucking doing well, really, isn't it? It definitely is, and, and that's one thing that we can't we can't bag Lennon for for his many faults. He's certainly given the lads a chance. Uh, okay, Liam, I know not Ash you, but I think we all agree that Wallaby uh, took his goal well. Looks like he'll be due to start the next week. Uh, Trotter, right? Let's talk about Trotter. I've not written my man of the match piece yet for the site, but I'm going to give it to Trotter. I know he was only on the pitch for ten minutes, but I thought he changed the game. He was calm. He was strong. He was positive in his movement, uh, and he had a, a lovely through ball to Mark Davies that led eventually to Woolery's uh, Woolery's winner. So you know what? What more could he have done? Tom, I gave him a thousand trillion out of out of ten. Uh, am I wrong? Uh, I think you've. I don't think you've exaggerated it enough. I think we need me another neither. zero. Um, he got, he got, the man of the, got the man of the match for me against Leeds as well. I think he's. Um, we're starting to see um, what he who must not be named saw in Liam Trotter. Because um, I remember when we played him when he was at Millwall and he he, he ran the show. In he was Millwall. a colossus, Field. wasn't he? Yeah, and we never saw that, but maybe maybe we're starting to see it. Um, and yeah, I'm really really pleased with him. Yeah, me too, Liam. I never doubted the ability that he had. My always concern was the mobility <laughs> that he doesn't. Nice, nice. So I'm pleased to see that perhaps with a few minutes under his belt at Nottingham Forest that he's pushing himself a little bit further in the games because I do think there's a good player in there. Long term, I don't think he'll have a Bolt Wonders career. I think that, that ship has definitely sailed. But, you know, if, we, if he can be a... Decent player for us till the end of the season. I don't think we can ask much more than that. Totally agree. And Dan, before we while we finish on the uh, on the player ratings, what what have you thought of Trotter in the past, and, and, and where do you think you see his future? Is it going to be at Wanderers? I think it's going to be elsewhere. How long has he got left in his contract? Probably a year after this one. Yeah, I think it's next and the next season he finishes. What, what do we reckon his wages are? It must be middle middle tier. I was once reliably informed that he was at one time the lowest paid player in the squad. See at that. A league, what he'll fucking smash league one if he's still having that share to be fair to because, mm-hmm. like I said, he's got the ability far more than like as I said. I went watching a league one game at the weekend, and it's fucking wank, so he'd easily fit in there. It's just you know, keeping him motivated until then and getting him on game time. I know Tom said before that he'd want to see Valerie in midfield, but we've ended up getting a bit of a surplus of midfielders at the minute with Spearman coming back, Trotter coming back, yeah, Lee Davis. We're looking all right there, and I think you know, having good performers and having like. Um, competition for places is a good thing that we've well, we don't really have another place in the pitch. So yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with Terry Trotter's like come back, applied himself, and doing really well. Like you said, his pass for the Matt Davis chance that led to the goal was beautiful. So yeah, it's good to see him playing well. I probably hope he gets it. He won't because Prattley's the captain, but I'd like to see him start ahead of Prattley on the weekend. Mm, I think he's got a good chance as well, but that's great. Right, well, let's leave that there for a sec. We'll take a quick drink break and we'll come back and we'll we'll yak about some other Bolton Wanderers news from the week. Not to mention Stuart Holden, not to mention the car park being flogged to someone who has no idea about, and not to mention transfer deadline day. So bear with us, we'll be back in two ticks. Alright, it's the second segment of Love Pod 45, where we're going to discuss uh, the week in Wonders. Now, we know we've been away ten days, a fortnight or so, due to various issues. So we'll we'll, we'll summarise as best we can. Um, but right, first pressing issue, we'll try and do it in chronological order, so... We'll go with uh, we'll go with Roger Tamaraz first of all, the dodgy Middle East airline owning criminal on the run, whatever you want to call him, off, uh, supposedly being 
Allegedly. Uh, allegedly. It's all it's all heavily caveated. Supposedly linked with the with the takeover of the club as well. Now when he when the news came out of that, obviously we all went out and, and we all thought we were gonna be richer than God. Now he is disappeared into the ether as as all these takeover people tend to do. Um but it then led on to the supporters' trust announcing that they were seriously progress pursuing, I should say, pursuing the options of purchasing the club themselves with a, a group of wealthy backers, not to not to mention the university and the town councillors too. Um, regarding the supporters' trust, I know I've not been on in the last couple of weeks. I've not had a chance to have my say on it too much. But Tom, where do you stand on the whole thing? Do you think it's something that's got mileage, and do you think that them announcing? their plans to buy the club is something that's born out of necessity, I guess, with the timescales involved, or do you think they should really take a step back, slow down, and uh, and learn to walk before they can run? Um, I, can, I can certainly see why people would think that. Uh, I don't really think they've, they've, they've got the choice at the minute. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that this has been Trevor Birch's intention all along. I think he sees Portsmouth as his success story, because... Portsmouth were, you know, one one magistrate's decision away from not existing anymore, um, and you know we can now look at. I mean, they've gone right to the bottom, but they're on the way back, and they're solvent, and they're being run by the right people. And for me, if it came down to being a club that that was owned by us, that you know that we all contributed towards, compared to being um, passed on from one dodgy owner to the next, it's just a no-brainer. Um, of course, it's. And I don't think that they were set up with the intention of doing something so quickly. Um, I just think circumstances have dictated that it, we have to we have to run before we can walk. I think definitely. I'm not I'm not sure. And uh, Liam or Tom, have you got anything else to add? Uh, Liam or Dan, sorry, have you got anything else to add to that? I think Tom summarised it pretty yeah, well. I agree. I feel like it's just you know, even no matter what happens with everyone, with all the in the recent couple of weeks, so I get my thoughts straight. Everyone else has seemed to. It's gone really quiet in the last few days, and everyone else has seemed to fuck off. But we still know the trust are there. And we know we know that they are still working behind the scenes. We don't know anything else about anyone, any other bid. For all we know, they've just fucked off and moved on now because of you know old Eddie being a stubborn bastard. But um, if the supporters trust is the way to go, then it's the way to go. Because I think I don't like the argument where people say we're not going to have any money. It's like we've had money before, and this is where we ended up at this point. Just getting stable and surviving is what all that matters, and if we can, you know, we'll have a degree of control with the trust, won't we? And it's, it'll be our club. How fucking proud will we all be to say you know, I own Bolton Wanderers? It's just that's that's the thing, isn't it? it? That that accountability that's not been there previously because of the distance between the owners and the fans will hopefully be bridged. Um, Liam, do you think that that we're we're being a bit we're being a bit romantic maybe about a supporters' trust, or do you think that there is genuine? A genuine need for something like that to come in and and, and bring the the team and the fans closer together again. I genuinely think that if there is an opportunity for a fan-owned club, that we should throw everything that we can at it. These opportunities don't come along often, you know. And it's all. I mean, I've been a bit. I've been a bit sort of at conflict with this because I really, really hate to see an organisation, as Tom said, run before it can walk. So I've been really sort of trying to resist the idea of getting caught up and thinking that perhaps this this can go forward without sort of the elections that I think are very, very important to allow people to, to fully Agreed. trust. Agreed, because it, it, it is, you know, the, the name's in, inherent, isn't it, the supporters' trust, and, and it's hard until we know to see the entire um, formation of the trust, follow the, the, the method that it was meant to, 
And so therefore, if people, if it's not going to follow that, I can fully see why people are then going to become suspicious. Well, this but is this is it. That, that's it, isn't it? That, that's why we haven't got that luxury now. It's if we want to achieve our, our, our eventual aim of owning the club, and we've got the opportunity now, that may never come again. I think it's worth the it's worth the gamble of of saying, yeah, all right, you go for it on our behalf. Hundred percent, one hundred. It has to be that way. I I have listened to the people involved. And I trust the people involved. I understand suspicions, and I understand that people might think that all of a sudden we've got there's a little club at the top that are dealing with everything. And you know, I can understand everyone's willingness to try and throw their own support. And how can I help? But <clears throat> I think at this stage, we've got to trust the people that were there because at the end of the day, the rewards if this goes well, a club owned by the community, oh, it, it it's just. <laughs> It's an absolute no-brainer. I, I, I don't understand why anyone wouldn't want that. And how good that could be for, for Bolton as a whole. Well, what's the alternative? That we, we, we throw our lot in and then not to cast aspersions against either bid because we don't know a great deal. Um, what, you know, we're casting our lot into the unknown, aren't we, a little bit, with, with someone that can be you know, showing us a few £20 notes with a hint, a hint of nipple um, and then pulling that, uh, pulling that nipple away and it's a hairy chest. So we've, you know, we're taking a gamble either way we go, um, and I, and I apologise again for a slight a distasteful analogy, oh, but, uh, but, but that, that that's the way we stand. That's the way we stand, and we'll leave it there for the supporters' trust for now because I think we'll talk about that properly, perhaps with Johnny on, because obviously Johnny's helping out their uh, their social media a little bit. He's he's probably got a bit of an inside track. He might be the best man to to discuss that with. But yeah, Tamaraz came along, it prompted the supporters trust to act and I think it's a really important issue and I hope that it brings unity to the fans because it really has got the potential to be the greatest thing that, we, that the fans have ever done in the entire history of the club, never mind the last 20 or 30 years. To have some sort of fan ownership, fan representation, it changes the goalpost massively and it can only lead to a brighter future in my eyes. Talking of a brighter future... Car park was sold. Now it's going to be hard to discuss this one in too much detail because we don't obviously know it's to whom it's been being sold. sold. I, I know there's a deal in place, but has it actually fucking officially been sold? I thought I thought they said it had been sold. I thought I'd read that somewhere. I, I could be wrong, but okay. Well, in, in the absence of any confirmation, we'll say that you know subject we know to it be is sold. Being then. sold, or there is you know it's actually happening. Yeah. but I don't know if we've actually got the money for it yet. If you it's a shame it's not happened with the um, the transfer deadline in more in mind yeah. because it, it could have could have maybe loosened the purse strings a bit and allowed Lennon to do a bit of trading. Um, but Tom. Um, but barring the fact that we don't really know who it's gone to or, or for how much, etc., which is you know. It's, it's not to do with football, really, is it? It's to do with finance. But do you think that uh, that Lennon would be able to, uh, to to make good use of money, or are you worried about the plays that he signed in the past might point to him not necessarily having the greatest eye for a player? Uh, appreciating the the shop at a certain certain level previous. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna have to give him. I, I will give him the benefit of the doubt on this one. I don't think he's. I don't think he's been able to search for the player that he's. That he's, that he's ideally wanted. Um, I mean, at one end of the scale, you've got Heidegger Johnson. At the other, you've got Philip Twardzik. So he's signed some some Romans, um, but I'd, he, you'd have to trust him with money because he's he's stuck around. He's not walked. He's had to deal with mm. a terrible financial situation. So I think you'd have to trust him with a bit of cash. Whether Agreed. or not he'd sign a de- decent player or not, I don't know, but. Agreed, Liam. I know from a Celtic point of view, he, he he developed and he brought on some 
some players who are at the really the really top end of the Premier League now, aren't they? So it would it would indicate that he has got that in his locker. Um, but from your point of view, obviously Celtic Celtic supporter, no making no bones about that. Would you trust Lennon to go ahead and, and, and if he did have some money to spend, you think he'd spend it wisely? I'm actually going to surprise you here, Chris, and say that if the situation changed tomorrow, I think Lennon would probably have to go. And I'll tell you two reasons okay. why. Yeah, and I know that's surprising for me to say, but I think it would need to be a fresh start. it have to be. Agreed. I, 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 do, I know where you're coming from. I totally agree. It's been poisoned, hasn't it? And, and, I, and, I, and I would not look at his reign with any sort of disappointment. I think it just would probably have to be a fresh start. Now, in an ideal world, I would I would love him at the helm, but I just I just think that if we got that situation, we would probably need a clean break, and that would account for a lot of the people at the club at the moment. It's been forgettable, hasn't it? It's been very forgettable. Um, his entire spell, entire spell at Wanderers, the whole thing, it's just not been what it was, and I'm sure that once he's gone, whenever it, that may be, it will be forgotten. Pretty swift. We'll move on. Whatever the new guy is, but we did have some uh, a little tiny bit of a uh, movement on transfer deadline day. Pisano, Casado, and Prince all left the club. Um, Dan, would you be sad to see any or all three of those go? Prince. Well, they have gone. So are you, are you sad? Obviously, well, Prince is well. the greatest like defender Casado. of all time. Prince is fucking million times better than Davide, and mm. we all know he's got his calamitous streak, and it's definitely been more um, more show recently, but. You know, still, it doesn't help when, you know, after three games of playing good, he just gets randomly shipped out for defeat and stuff like that. It's like, there's been very little consistency or just, like, random chopping and changing. It doesn't let anyone feel settled or, like, you know, feel like they've got confidence from the manager and stuff. So, I am mean, quite sad that Prince has gone. I know it's, on the, you know, he was going to go at the end of the year anyway because we couldn't have signed him. And, it, you know, he probably gets worried off the bill. So, in that point, it's probably clever. But still, in the current situation, when we only have now Holden, Devite and Derek, you know, obviously Derek's another one of the Lennon signings <laughs> that he fucking has never, obviously never watched and is now shit. Along with um, Pisano, who fuck knows why he signed him. Probably the most pointless signing in our history. But um, Casado, um, quite quite sad he's gone as well, because I quite, I did like him. He's, he had that, just that, like Silver, that just that bit of bastard fight bit about him that he just he'd kick off of anyone despite him being about four foot two. So I just I liked him and um as I said earlier, um if Moxin gets a reoccurrence of his toe injury or anything like that, we are fucked because we don't even have a reserve left True. back of note, do we? No we don't. We, I mean Twazik I guess is your reserve <laughs> right back. Reserve left back. <laughs> Fuck I forgot about that. Oh bollocks. Mm-hmm. You should never never forget about the man whose girlfriend is called Pumper Lover. That's, that's one life lesson I can uh, try and leave you with, my friend. But Tom, um, Pisano, Casado, and, and Prince all, all departed this week for various reasons. Um, it it kind of hints back a little bit to Lenin, the talk about Lenin in the transfer market because let's not forget he brought all three to the club not uh, not what, three or four months ago, and now that they've disappeared over the hill without a trace. Yeah. Uh, I think you can maybe forgive Prince. Obviously, I think he, he said in the the paper that he was he had concerns about his financial future, etc. Which is understandable. We've all he got to eat. He's only twenty. He's just had a kid. So. Yeah, exactly. We've, we've all we've all got to eat. Um, but but to what's fair, your point? Prince with you? hasn't seen the same since Paris, which he was at. I don't know. It might be an easy thing to like just you know, throw on him, but it does seem like after that, you know, probably quite traumatic event. Of course, of course. And, uh, we'll keep a close eye on you having spent the weekend in the Wigan away end, mate. So you know, we'll see about we'll see how tragedy <laughs> hey, affects Matt, you know people, what? To be fair, people in different are, ways. Wigan, 
To be fair to him, careful. careful. Cut him off. Cut him off. They have careful. They have loads of good songs that they sing. Like far more. Like they've got a wide variety of good songs. It's far more than us. To be fair, they've got. They've got it was quite fun being in that way because it was full. To be fair, I enjoyed it. I couldn't sing. Wow. Oh, my days, they had a few. Songs. They had a few songs. Disabled and, and mate. Oh, it was hard. Just like sitting there going. Um, this is how it feels to be Wigan. This is how it feels to be small. Bolton all millions and we owe nothing at all. I was like, fuck's sake, can't deal with it. To be it. honest, Dan, it's probably it's probably the same as when the but we're singing anti-Manchester United songs. You know what else you try to sing, Wigan fans? Yes, God, it is a blue, he hates Bolton. Oh, that one stung. I would have, I would have avoided, avoided my bars there in the that was Let's never talk about that, that again. Was, that was uh, Tom, we were on the topic of our departures on, on, dead, on deadline day. Where do you stand on all three? Um, Prince, I completely get. I mean, some of the players not being paid, they're waiting for their contract to be breached. He wasn't our player, was he? Um, and to be honest, I'm surprised he's not gone to a better standard of football. Um, so I, I get why he's gone. I mean, there was, a, there was a deal in place to sign him at the end of the season, but that, that was entirely pointless because we couldn't even if we wanted to. So, I mean, that just made sense. Um, Pisano, when I watched him against Brighton, I was totally unconvinced. Um, I didn't really get a chance to look at him again after that. Um, so, it's quite. I'm judging him on one performance, and I don't think we'll miss him, because we've got the world's best right back on our bench. Um, and then Casado, that's the one, I think, out of the three um, that we're, we're probably going to struggle without this this season just without having that depth um, agree fully agree completely is it, I is, mean, it Pisano, is it Pisano that's coming back yeah he's only on loan he's got a two year deal yeah he had a two year contract but I should think that we'll find a way of terminating that in the, we'll ter- find a way of terminating that in the summer I would expect so out of the three we've kept the worst one yeah oh yeah do you, you, you know how it works mate welcome to Bolton Wonders yeah. <laughs> Liam, have you got anything to add to that on the three on the three outgoings? Nothing really. It's just pragmatism, isn't it? You, just, you know, as it stands, we've got a little bit of money there that will eventually run out. So we've got to get down the costs, and the longer that money lasts, the longer we'll survive. So I, I was just surprised more didn't go really. Same. Uh, one one person that we thought that well that we we found out was the subject of a couple of bids was an was a surprising name. It wasn't Clough. It wasn't Vella. It wasn't. Davies and it, and it certainly wasn't Feeney. It was uh, Rob Holding, supposedly the the subject of a transfer bid from Reading, and also I'm led to believe a, a transfer bid from Bury as well, where he spent time on loan last Which season, believed to be very very highly. Yeah, but Flick, Flickcroft is meant to be meant to be quite the fan of the lad. I mean, we, we've only had that confirmed by uh, by our our fellow who, who um, drip feeds yeah. us stuff from the club from time to time. But Reading, Reading was an interesting one because obviously he's made a really big impact, hasn't he, holding in his time? Um, but how surprised were you, Dan, that Clough, Vela, Davies, etc., that it wasn't the big boys that, that stopped behind? And you can feel free to include think... Mido. Feel free to include Mido oh, in that Mido, if you wish. Well, do you think that's probably our best transfer window ever, keeping Clough, Vela at this point? Like, I've never been so relieved. Don't know. That, that, one, that one that we signed, uh, where we signed David Thompson in uh, that Slovakian. Well, I wasn't alive then, so I don't. I don't. I was probably wasn't alive or at least understanding, but like I've never been so happy once the transfer window's gone that we've with what we've done in getting some wages to players who weren't really playing off the bill. 
Yeah. And then keeping our prize assets after, you know, when they were seemingly fucking gone two weeks in. So, I'm, yeah, I'm, it seemed like towards the end that all the deals for them was petering out, but, like, when stuff for, like, Swansea were apparently in and things like that, it was still tense. So, I was very, very, very happy that we've managed to keep them all. Just after need of, you know, need a fucking ornament now, don't we? So, we can actually kick on. We certainly do. We certainly do. Um, Dan, uh, Dan, that's your name. What am I talking about? I'm talking to Liam. Liam, uh, do you think that we're ever guilty of, of maybe overrating our players and thinking, oh yeah, we're best hold on to that, <laughs> the best hold on to that, best hold on to that cloth, you know, bloody hell, Real Madrid and Bayern Munich might be coming into him. In fact, it was Bristol City and, and that was it. Um, do you think there's anything, any mileage in that in terms of cloth and, and Vela and Mark Davies even as well? Obviously, they're, they're good players for us, no doubt, but they're not obviously on the, uh, on the agenda of much bigger sides. No, I think you're on, Chris. I think you're talking the top three Ballon d'Or contenders for me there. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's. I think any club sort of can be, you know, victim of that. Really, you know, particularly with your young lads, you you do you do tend to maybe overhype them. I mean, personally, I don't particularly rate Josh Vela. I know a lot of people keep telling me how good Vela is, but whenever I've seen him in midfield, I'm a bit like, oh, I'm not sure here. But, you know, I get it. You know, it's, it's your own youth. And I suppose it's such on something else that you said a minute, a minute ago, Chris, that how good of a player was David Thompson? I forgot about him. He was yeah, a- he was he was a solid signing, but at the time he was maybe not the signing that we needed to, to push us on that level. It wasn't his fault, of course. But, yeah, he had his moments. He had his moments, definitely. Stamping like, on balloons. I like, I like David Thompson. But, anyway, yeah, in terms of the young players, yeah, of course you do. You, you do hate your own. I remember people telling me that Ali Labsu was going to end up at Bayern Munich. <laughs> for some time, you know, and it didn't necessarily work out that way. So, yeah, but every club does it as well. Speaking of, uh, of overrating players, have maybe made not quite enough uh, enough of an. Uh, uh, Don't an you dare! Fuck off! Uh, no, no, I'm playing no, devil's advocate no, there, but no. of course, I'm talking about the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Stuart Holden. Stuart Holden, oh, of course, who uh, officially announced his retirement this week um, following injury. Last played a, a game for the club. What about four? I think his last performance was in the FA. Oh, maybe when he came on against Peterborough after Matt Davis got injured, I think. Yeah, that's right. Wednesday, didn't they? That's okay, right. His last three appearances were against Sunderland in the Cup away, at home against Everton in the Cup, which he came home to a fucking rapturous applause, then at home against Peterborough as a substitute for Matt Davis, and then um, he that's went to right. Sheffield Wednesday for four games on loan. To four games, the, the, that's right. I mean, he only played, what, 30-odd yeah. games for Bolton in total. 30, it's, it's an unbelie- unbelievable short, unbelievably short career, but one that's left an absolute mark on us, hasn't it? Um, I mean, for my own my own memories of the lad, he was a midfielder who had everything, you know. He had he had the, the talent He had the talent on the ball, he was a great passer, he was strong in the tackle. He had everything that you could possibly want. And not only that, from, from meeting him a couple of times, a really nice guy as well. Really, really nice guy. And it, it's a shame as to what's happened to him, but I'm glad he's... I'm glad he's happy. That's the main thing. I'm glad he's happy. I couldn't bear to him bear the thought of him having a sad look on his face. And I don't think he ever will. But Tom, um, Holden, uh, your, your own memories and your own thoughts, please. And I'll come to the other two as well after this. So please get your ideas in line. Um, I remember a home game against Wolves. Um, before he was given the number eight, he was still wearing the twenty-two. Um, twenty-five. Are you sure? Yeah. It was 25, 25 and 8 and 22. Yeah, in his first oh, season. Yeah, would have been 22. 22 was it? the number yeah. he wanted change to because that was his first That's number. Right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I you know went, I am. Right. I'm yeah. fairly up to date with my Stuart Holden information. Um, 
I remember him wrapping this free kick against Wolves and thinking yeah. that he was that his, his, his yeah. style of taking the free kick was a bit a bit like David Beckham, um, and I remember thinking, oh, he could be a bit of a player, this lad. And then, he, he, at the time of his injury, he was the probably one of the Premier League's, if not the Premier League's, most informed player. Um, and like you said, as a box to box midfielder, he had the lot. Um, had he not been injured, we'd have probably ended up selling him to a to a top team. Um, because we're, when we were in that Champions League spot and we were playing some brilliant football under Owen Coyle, he was he was the the person driving it. He was the best player in the team. Um, it's just it's a real it's a really sad really sad story, Stuart Olsen's story, um, because he was he was brilliant. Absolutely, yeah. Liam, um, Stuart Old, he had everything, didn't he? Yeah, it was brilliant. He was a brilliant player. You know, there's a there's a lot to be said for Stuart Old and, and the man as well. But in terms of the player, yeah, you know, for, for me it was the ground he would cover, playing at that, that particular top level that made him stand out so much. And he was a real driving force behind a, a very likeable Owen Coyle side. You know, there was a lot to like about that team. A lot of personality in there, and you know the smile that he used to put on his face made the Bolton fans just you know get behind him, and you know they bought really bought into him. It was it, it was a big loss when he wasn't there. You know the presence in the team it just seemed it just seemed a little bit darker, didn't it, without him? Definitely is. Uh, it'd be, it's a sad day for for him and for, for obviously for Wanderers as well. The fact we won't definitely not see him again. But it, it, enough times passed in between him doing him playing last and, and today for it to be slightly softened. But we always obviously wish him well for the future. He's a top guy, and uh, if only to reply to my email about recording an intro for the show, Dan. Come on then, come on. I'll tell you what. Go on. I thought you were going to the floor. The floor is yours. Football is like it's. He was never going to play for us again after the reserve, after he did his cruise shit again, 20 minutes into coming back. I think everyone knew that, but just never, part of me just never, I part of many people just never able to let go of that, just that lingering thought that maybe, just maybe, he'd be able to come back and play one more time. But sadly, I think we even said about it, I think we talked about it a few weeks ago, a few months ago, even on one of our earlier love pods, that it's like, He's got his nice setup in America now. He's doing the punditry, doing coaching stuff. He's got a baby on the way. It, it's why risk it now? And you know we were right before we even knew because we're sick. But it's just a rare thing in football where a player can literally play thirty games for a club and become just leave such a lasting impression that he becomes a legend without question. And because Stuart Alden, he was you know he was a rare player. and He was a fucking special guy. And we fucking love him. I'm starting like as I keep saying, he's that goal against Blackburn is my favourite goal I've ever fucking seen. Just all the circumstances aligned, and it was just fucking just beautiful. And just seeing him, how he still does care about Bolton. Like I watched his uh, live chat on Facebook after he announced his retirement, and you know he just he just loved the club. He loves us. He loves Dynamo, America, and Scotland for you know for reasons. And you know I think he might be gone. He might be retired now, but. We've not seen the last of him. He'll, he'll be no, he'll always, he'll always, he'll always have a, a place in our hearts, wasn't he? I think the, work, the only the downside is he's had a little baby girl, not a baby boy. You know, we yeah. could have had twenty, oh, twenty, thirty-five. We could have had little, little nipper holding in the in the midfield. 
ripping up trees, probably feeding balls to Emileski up front in 35 years' time. <laughs> we could have sat in the crowd going, he's not as good as his dad. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Boo, get him all we'll, shit. We'll, we'll see him at the Reebok. Well, yeah, the Reebok, as he said, because it'll never be the Lacrum. We'll see him here again, either in, you know, just as a fan in the crowd or a fucking owner, because he said he wants to get into ownership at some point, so fucking buy us, do Buy us, no other cunt's going to do it. Why not? Well, on that bomb, on that bombshell, we'll we'll uh, we'll say good luck to Stu, and we'll close this segment off. We'll be back after the short break, where we're going to talk about Brighton, and we're going to talk about the, uh, the the question that we posed earlier on tonight. So stay with us. Right, so welcome back to segment three, Epilove Pod Forty Five. Still joined by uh, Tom, joined by Dan, and joined by Liam. We're going to talk a little bit about Brighton, and then we're going to go through the uh, the, the question of the week, and we'll, we'll read your responses out to that also. Brighton and Hove Albion away, tough game, lads. Tough game. Um, obviously, we started at home against Rotherham with just the one up front. We'll no doubt take the same approach again. Um, I think it's worthwhile, from my point of view, we'll start with Woolery up top. Use his pace on the counter attack. Few long balls into the corner. Get him chasing those lost causes and see what we can bring out of that. Uh, Liam, do you think there's any any uh, any good uh, good ideas that we've not thought about in terms of Brighton? Would you make any changes? And how do you think we'll get on? I think you're pretty much on the money there, Chris. That's exactly how I'd approach it. I think maybe the one up top, Woolery will have a, a difficult afternoon, but he'll have to put some running in. That comes with a territory when you're away from home. So, yeah, that's exactly how I'd play it. Will we do the running and hopefully can create a bit of space for Wellington to pull some out of the bag for us? But I've got no real hopes for it. It's a bit of a free hit for us. We've done the hard work in the last three games. So if we can get anything from it, it's a bonus. If not, dust ourselves off and move on. Agreed. Dan, any advances on that? Yeah, I think, you know, it's definitely a difficult game. It's the first, you know, it's the first game of a run of four, five, six really really hard games and we could yeah be, Brighton, QPR, Birmingham, Burnley the next four yeah, alone Leeds it's very very difficult as well. yeah we've got yeah very difficult on Tuesday night as well as it always fucking tends to be for some reason so we've got yeah it's a very very difficult run of um, six games before we play Preston and Bristol City which are must wins anyway let alone after this so we do we tend to do alright at Brighton we've nicked a point here and there in the past um I think the only, last, the only time we've lost there was an own goal from Spearing, I think, something like that. So, I could see us nicking a point. Brighton, I think they won in the last game, but they're not in the best of form themselves recently. They're dropping off like a something that drops off. I'm not in the mood for metaphors. But, um, yeah, they're nowhere near as formidable as a team that we played a couple of months ago when we drew them 2-2 at home after being two down. Another fight back from us. So, I could see us nicking a point. And it'd be a fucking priceless one with the run of games we've got coming up. So we we do need something from this. I feel even no, even though not getting something, it's not the end of the world because you know it's, it is the, one of the best teams in the league. But I feel like if we don't start getting stuff, you know, make the most out of our good form and uh, get some points before we go into this run big time, then we could see ourselves back on the bottom before too long. Agreed, Dan. Uh, Dan, fucking hell, I'm losing my plot. You've been bad today. You're, after, you've got, you're a bit rusty. Yeah. I am. I'll tell you what it is. I am. It's my, it's my lack of experience. You see, I, I've, got, I've gone off the ball. But Liam, same questions to you, mate. I mean, it's... Ah, uh, oh, fuck, I've asked you already. What am I doing? <laughs> Jesus Christ, lads. Right, I'm going to take three weeks off. Tom, please, uh, bring, me back down, bring me back down to earth with your Brighton comments and we can move the fuck on from this disaster of a segment. It's... Uh... 
it's like like Liam said, free it's probably the best way to describe it. They took Brentford apart on Friday night. They've lost four games all season. I mean, that's unbelievable. Um, like Dan said, they've drawn quite a few. They don't. They haven't been scoring as many goals as the team around them. But you know, people keep t- talking about Brighton falling away. The three points off top spot. Um, they don't. Turn to, their you know, they, position I mean, there is the chance that we can get a draw because they don't. They don't seem to to score. I mean, I know they they won by three um, on Friday night, but they don't really seem to score that many goals. Um, so there's a chance of nicking a point, but for us to take a point, we'd need to be solid at the back, and I just don't see it. I just, I just don't see us keeping Brighton out. No, they could have absolutely hammered us at home as well if they weren't so sloppy in front of the goal. But uh, we can't hope for that kind of luck again. But it's going to be an interesting one. Obviously, we've had a couple well, of a reasonable. They've won the last three games. Didn't realise that. Yeah, we're fucked. Mm, we've won a couple of reasonable results on the spin so you never know um, but I certainly won't be going into it expecting expecting much at all um, but what you know, we'll see Bolton Wanderers have got nothing but uh, but surprising in many aspects of, the, of life and, uh, and what will happen will happen but we'll leave it there for Brighton and we'll just quickly go through the question of the week I'm going to ask it to, to the three of you lads as well I'm trying to remember your names this time but the question was is, do you think that Bolton will be able to uh, to overcome the present situation and avoid relegation to League One. few answers um, which contain two letters, both N and O. Um, so thanks all for your, your carefully considered input on that particular one. It, it does echo my own my own uh, thoughts on the matter. But Ian Firth, that super white Smurf, said, Need a centre-back and a holding striker. I say they to come good to replace the beat. Eves to come good and replace Medina and Heskett, unlikely. Um, I, I totally agree with you on that point of view. I say they um, is really flat to deceive so far. And I forgot Tom Eves played for us, actually, I'll be honest with you. Uh, Steve Connolly, a very own Quentin X. I'm looking forward to going back to Villa Park. I'm not. Stewart's there. Absolute bellends. Uh, Tony Coffey has said, if Lennon gives up wasting our time with Heskett and Medina's lone strikers, then perhaps needs to banish the V2. So I totally agree with that one. Sean, at Panic Prone. If our first team stays fit, Spearing becomes who we sign. Pratt's keeps scoring and Devite stops being Devite, then maybe. So that's two anti-Devite uh, tweets there, which rhymes. Uh, Jack Stewart said, can, will they, who knows, some tough fixtures ahead, need to keep this momentum though, true that. Matt Ashcroft, uh, Matty Ashcroft says, our home games look horrendous, we'll probably just fall short, again echoing my own uh, my own feelings on that particular one. Uh, Terry Whittaker at TPW1977 says, no, thanks for that Terry. Uh, and again, our very own Alistair Sledge, Alistair says, if North Korea can get to space, we can get out of the relegation zone. So there you go. All you've got to do is overcome the odds, um, do the thing that you've struggled to do all season, magically do it within a window of about 18 games. Tom, are we going to stay up? Uh, can we? Yeah. Will we? No. Uh, we've you won took f- the words right out of my mouth. We've won four games all season. I mean, what what I want to see is the sort of thing that I've seen in the last few, the last few games where even in defeat... Um, we're having a go, and we're make, you know we're making a go of it because I was really worried um, November time that we that we we looked on the pitch like we'd given up, um, and it seems now like at least they're scrapping um, and they're not giving people an easy game, and that's all I want to see from now until the end of the season. Um, yeah, so I, I don't I don't think we're going to do it now. Scary, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, literally, I was just. I told the words out of my mouth. I think we can. I think we've got 
we've got a better squad on paper than Rotherham, MK Dons and Charlton, who are, you know, have got their own fucking uh, travesties to deal with. But will we? Do we have enough up front? Do we have enough in defence now? Probably not, unfortunately. I think, you know, as Dane said, it's the hope that kills you. So, at least... Damn right. But it's also the hope that makes you breathe and gives you life. So, you, who knows? We've got, you know, we have got hope after this last week. And we might do it. We might. Just, just, just let me say this again. We play full on, on last day of season. Tim Remo and Gore to keep us up. Well, if he does, oh, I'm sure I, I'll we'll stay well away from yourself. You made a spontaneously combust, Liam. Maybe to finish off, I'll be masturbating on this pitch if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Broadcast that out. <laughs> what? A... Disclaimer, so, yeah, just because this podcast wasn't horrendous enough. You'd be joining uh, Chris Burke in prison at this rate, mate. What's going on, <laughs> Liam? Liam, save us from this this image I've got in my head quickly. Away from sexual innuendo and reckless accusations, Bolton Wanderers will stay up. Whoa. All we have to do is kill all the other teams. Want it enough? If we want it enough, at the bottom half of the table, you don't need to. It doesn't need to be miracles. It needs to be one win in three every time. You win one in three of all your games, you will stay up. It's there for you, Bolton. Go and fucking fight for it. Oh, give me goosebumps. Goosebumps. It's a proper proper Al Pacino sort of speech, that particular one. Fantastic. Well, I, I hope so too. I mean, it's, it's a tall order, but, you know, they can be overcome, can't they? And like he says, one winning three is perfectly doable. Although our average at this season may be sort of one winning seven. So we've got to kind of double our double our, our present win ratio. But you never know, do you? You never know. This time last year, Leicester were bottom of the Premier League. And now look at them going for the, the, uh, going for the league title. And I hope they do it. Right. Well, on that bombshell, we'll call it a day. It's been great, lads. I've fully enjoyed being back. I know I've fudged a couple of bits here and there, but what can I say? I'm watching... Uh, I'm trying to watch telly at the same time. I'm not watching the Super Bowl. I'm not it's like that. But I will, be making a, I will be making a special effort to watch WrestleMania this year again, as last. Uh, American football, lads, for, before we finish off, anybody got a single clue what it's all about? No. Throw it and run. Throw it, catch it, and, and, and black guys doing dances. I mean, what, what's the nuts to like, I guess? What is there not to like? But thanks very much for your attendance, fellas. It's been great talking. I'm sure you've uh, hopefully you've enjoyed it as much as I have. And the same to you, the ever-lovely ever listener. Now, we're still on iTunes at Lining Vinny Sweet Podcast. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. If it's not going to be five-star, don't waste your time. Uh, Tom, thanks for coming on. Where can people find you online? Uh, Twitter, please, down the money road. Excellent, Liam. Not on um, Alan Nixon's followers list, but you can find me at Liam underscore Amara. Dan? If you'd still want to talk to me after my gruesome remarks this episode, I'd say follow at the Brosky. Sorry. It's alright, we're going to edit them all out. This is going to be a four minute podcast this week, yeah, man. Don't, like don't worry about that. And I'm still at 19, Manning 83, still peddling the same old crap about movies, wrestling, and Liam Feeney. Thanks for your attendance, thanks for your patrons. We love you all very, very much indeed. Have a good week, and we'll see you uh, to discuss our 3 1 win away at Brighton and Hove Albion this coming Saturday. Bye!